So it's a few days after our last eventful pass. Last time we were at 15,500 feet. Turns out we did it again. Um, but it seems that your condition has not improved, Ty. No. May, would you say worsened? Yeah. I'd say last time it was altitude sickness. Do you want me to speak up? <laughs> no, hey, whatever. Okay. Last time it was altitude sickness. And now it's the, the culminating effects of about a week of diarrhea. Four to five days of altitude sickness, three to four days of an upper respiratory infection, and throw in uh, a midnight uh, eruption of hives uh, on one of those days as well. And um, it doesn't feel good, but I'm looking at a, a downhill now, and I can see all the oxygen down there, <laughs> and it's it's going to heal me like this banana. Yeah, dude. I we are all pulling for you, me and my bike, and your bike. We're all pulling for you here. Um, <laughs> my bike was walking all the way here. Hey, it doesn't matter. However, however you got here, you got here. That's what I'm saying. We're gonna breathe that oxygen. Yep. A couple days from now, maybe pizza. Yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be good. Do, do you mind repeating what you said when, when I arrived at the top of the pass with you? Um, that this is the weakest I've ever felt doing anything outside? <laughs> yeah. 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 You've done a lot of stuff outside. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah. I have a good inventory of pain, I think, in the outdoors, and this is this is the crown jewel. <laughs> so thanks for bringing me up here, Tom. <laughs> Anytime, man. Over and out. <laughs> You are listening the Spoken Tour. Bienvenidos, están escuchando the Spoken Tour. Bienvenue, vous êtes en train d'écouter the Spoken Tour. Buenos dias. Buenos It's dias. Friday, February 16th, 2018, and we are recording from a dingy, weird, cigarette-smelling <laughs> hotel hostel room in Cusco, Peru. About 70% of which is taken up by our bikes. <laughs> yeah. But that's good. We never like to stray too far away from them. Yeah. Although, we did recently just leave the bikes unattended for almost 48 hours while we went to the lost ancient city of Machu Picchu. And uh, the fact that it took us 48 hours to get there and back was pretty... Em not embarrassing, more so like... What would the word be? Just like humbling when we yeah. got to Machu Picchu and uh, the guide that we were walking around with told us that to get from Cusco to Machu Picchu, Incans could, through a set of runners, like every, I don't know, every couple miles there'd be 
these stations where these runners would be, they could get um they could get a message, they could get food, whatever they wanted from Cusco to Machu Picchu in six hours. And in motorized vehicles and by foot, it took us what we left at eight. It took us eight hours. Yeah, yeah. So. Eight hours in twenty eighteen. Yeah, get the same distance that took them six hours in the fourteen hundreds. Yeah. So. Very humbling. That's the best yeah. word for it. Yeah. Another cool, like, blast from the past thing about Machu Picchu. I mean, the whole thing is one giant blast from the past. Yeah. But a a blast from the past that is still functional today is the water system up there. Uh, the ancient channels in the city are still continuously feeding the modern tourism infrastructure up there, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, really, most of Peru so far has been pretty... Incredible. Not to say Ecuador, Colombia were not, but it's just like, it was almost a no, a very palpable change. Absolutely. Right when we crossed, right, well, right, the first few days after crossing the border. Yeah, I think the biggest changes were the fact that we actually found ourselves on flat ground for the first time in over a month. Yeah. Because Ecuador was nonstop up mountains, down mountains, and repeat. So a brief, brief hiatus on flight. Brief ground. hiatus in northern Peru from that. And then as soon as we crossed the border, the culinary master, uh, mastery of Peruvian chefs is so obvious. Yeah. Just, I mean, we haven't had food like this. Flavors, like, just good, bold flavors since Mexico. And then I think we got absolutely spoiled rotten. Um, when we got into Peru, my brother-in-law, he's actually from the coast, the northern coastal town of Chimbote. And we beelined it to Chimbote because he was down. Um, he was down there for a couple weeks, and literally from the moment we arrived in Chimbote to the moment we left, we were being fed like absolute kings. Not only uh, was Luis's mom Lucy cooking for us day and night, but Luis is uh, absolutely obsessed with ceviche. So we were we were going around Chimbote and trying the the best ceviches that either of us have ever had in our entire lives. And that included probably the, I mean, not probably, without a doubt, the freshest ceviche. I mean, we, one morning we were, we were down at the beach and we went fishing, caught, you know, about a dozen fish or so, pulled the boat um, onto the shore. As we were doing that, um, this diver, this local diver had been um, hunting octopus and octopi, and mm, he had a couple octopi and these like bright purple crabs that we bought from him and then there was this cook this famous cook on the on the beach Vesique called La Capitana who she's called La Capitana because she has the mouth of an absolute sailor and was just she runs the show yeah and so we gave her all these fish and an hour later she has prepared everything into a seafood stew followed by a ceviche followed by some other seafood plate that was absolutely delicious so, I mean, that was just, like, we were blissfully, bloatedly happy. Oh, yeah. Just riding this food, this wave of food, and, I mean, I, I, loved, I loved what you said about getting to spend time with Luis's family, um, about, like, yeah. Well, we were talking about, like, how throughout this whole trip, it's been really cool to see how people live, and I feel like that is kind of a, like, it's a vague statement in so many ways. Because how much do you really get to see how people live as a as a traveler and a passer through? Um, but when we were with Luis's family, we were uh, sleeping with them, eating with them, just 
shooting the shit with them, hanging out with them. Um, and in that sense, we got to see, like, you know, the kind of jokes they crack at each other, um, their their daily routine, like, what time they eat breakfast, how much, um, you know, like, what's the biggest meal of the day, when do they eat it, uh, like, what's their work schedule, and is it very strict, or can they just be like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out today, like, I'll take care of work tomorrow, and all those little sub- subtleties and nuances of life that, that kind of go unnoticed, um, it was very apparent when we were hanging out with them and literally feeling like part of the family. Yeah, I mean, we arrived, and from the moment we walked in the house, it was like we were cousins that yeah. had been gone for, for years. Oh, God, it was the one of the funniest, it was like an ongoing joke that got me every time, was whenever Tommy was introduced to anybody in Luis's family or anybody like in the neighborhood in Chibote where their family lived, um, because your sister Marky is very well known. Oh, obviously yeah. in the family yeah. and just in the community. Yeah. And so there was countless people who knew Marky and upon meeting Tom, they just freaked out. It was yeah. like they were seeing a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> they were and like, they'd be like, oh my gosh, it's, it's Marky m- with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you if you put a dress on, I mean you would be yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that that got me yeah. literally every single yeah, time. That, that was fun. hilarious. But man, yeah, that was just like that was so stinking special to have that type of connection in a part of Peru that Chimbote is known as being like this just huge fishing town. And whenever we were telling people that we were going to Peru, they'd give us the weirdest looks. They'd ask like, why, why are you going to, I'm yeah, sorry, why not, not why a are we sexy going to destination. Peru, Chimbote, not Peru. And, uh, there was like, it, it, the whole town smells like fish. Like there's nothing to do there. And then it ends up being a week of, I mean, for me, definitely one of the absolute highlights of, the trip. Oh, like, without a doubt. Yeah, it was just so freaking yeah. cool. And, yeah, I mean, after that, not to say that it was not a highlight, but we uh, we kind of gave ourselves to the Cordillera Blanca, the uh, one of the highest mountain ranges in the entire world. And we received one of the almightiest... And best ass whoopings, I think, that we've had of the trip. Yeah. As we were reading um, all these trip reports, trying to make our plan, they kept talking about uh, this weird concept of acclimatization. Like, what is that? Does it, you know, <laughs> does it even matter? We, we said no. We said we'll go from sea level, we'll take two days to plan, and then we'll go up to, like, 13,000 feet and above and stay there for five days. And that took its toll on me in particular. <laughs> yeah, you got freaking, you got whooped yeah. bad. And uh, the only, the only silver lining of feeling like shit was that I was feeling like shit in the most beautiful place that I've ever been. Yeah, I mean it, it was. We're surrounded by peaks that were hovering around twenty thousand feet. It's, I mean, the only other place on earth I think it's similar as the Himalayas. Yeah. Um, we were biking up 16,000 foot passes. We had the best campsite of the entire trip, possibly of our entire lives along this river, uh, this big wide open valley. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible ride. It, we put in like maybe 150 miles and it yeah. took us like a week to ride 150 miles because I, mean, I think we put in, it was like 35,000 to 40,000 vertical feet, which is higher than... It's like riding from sea level uh, up Mount Everest and then another 10, 15,000 feet in, yeah. in a week. 
So, I mean, we were paying the price, but, like, it was this weird balance of just insanely gnarly riding, but not really caring because we had these just shit-eating grins on our face looking around at these at these mountains, um, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> it wasn't just the physical toll, though. <laughs> After it was all said and done, we had uh, some pretty drastic losses that were sustained <laughs> to our gear inventory. Uh, uh, the first one being our... Probably our most uh, valuable... Yeah. Possession in terms of trip logistics, which is our GPS unit. We got to camp after a pretty mellow day. Nothing out of the ordinary compared to like the terrain that we've covered in these however many thousands of miles. But we got to camp and with two four letter words, Tom declared that the GPS unit was gone <laughs> from the the pocket that it's been traveling in for, for nine months. For nine months. <laughs> Just gone. And first, uh, I think we both thought that we would find it, like, in that immediate vicinity. So we started looking over the the area that we had just ridden over and couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Tom goes for a walk, like, what, three miles down the road and yeah. back in the... Starts hailing, yeah. raining. <laughs> Still no luck. So then we start getting technical, trying to f- find a way that we can use the GPS signal to locate its actual physical location and, Which, tr- and track you, it down. Mind you, we are in... Probably some of the remotest valleys. Oh yeah, that we have ever ridden in. <laughs> Not conducive yeah. at all to trying to call somebody, have yeah. them get on their computer, yeah. have them log into our account, and track down the GPS coordinates, plug those into Google Maps, <laughs> find the location, hail a taxi, uh, and drive there and look for it in the pitch dark. Yeah. Needless to say, <laughs> we lost the shit out of our GPS and. Uh, that was yeah. That was kind of the first the first kick to the nards. Yeah. Uh, the next day, we got to an, again this absolutely amazing riverside camp riverside camp spot, and we're along this glacial stream like the 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 water that's it's like the color of like the light blue Gatorade like that type of glacier color and uh, it's ice cold but we both decide. We're at a beautiful river camp spot. We got to jump in the water. So we jump in and the water was so cold that after I got out of the water, it's like not only did when you jumped in, you got like an instant headache, but after I got out, my nuts hurt for like a solid minute because (laughs) the water was so icy, penetratingly cold. And then like five minutes later, we have all of our winter gear on and Ty looks at me. We're both kind of shivering a little bit. He's like, Hey dude, I'm going to, I'm going to get some water and boil up a pot of water. And Ty walks over to the stream, <laughs> and he takes a knee, is dipping the pot in the water, and the moment, Whoosh. yeah, the moment the pot hits the water, gone, just absolutely flying down this river, and I hear some sort of Fuck, like, Ty, yeah. the pot, <laughs> yell, and then we both, we both start running down oh, alongside the river, and it's like we were chasing... Uh, like trying to chase a giant silver trout because the pot would get submerged and then it would pop up and one of us would yell, there it is, there it is! And we'd both kind of run to the location and it was it was so freaking funny. And then it gets to the point where it's alongside the shore. Again, we have all of our winter gear on. 
Ty lunges his arm into the water to try and fish this thing out down to his shoulder and nothing. And I, so I run down, you know, another few hundred feet and it's coming near the shore by me. So I lunge my arm in and, you know, puffy jacket on everything and nothing. And so we both start running again, running again. And then of course the river turns into three different forks and the pot was gone. That's it. Say goodnight. Yeah. We kept thinking that maybe on our ride out the next day, there would just be some, like, perfectly placed uh, strainer across the river <laughs> yeah. that will have, like, caught the pot, you know, by the handle, and it'll just be dangling there for us, for us to pick up. Yeah. Go figure, that didn't happen. <laughs> and uh, we spent the night eating candy was, and yeah, pre-dinner, murky bars. Pre-dinner pot loss. <laughs> peanut butter. Um... We had the calories to make it through, but it certainly was not an enjoyable night. We had those cows. <laughs> we had the cows. Uh, and, and then, then we, I think we made it out. Uh, probably our least favorite dirt road. Well, of the trip. but no, we still have one more loss. Oh well, yeah, a loss that was uh, from the day before, but that I didn't realize until I was icy cold trying to recover <laughs> from the river plunge, and found out that I'd left my wool socks uh, at the previous night's hospedaje, and these were wool socks that I had just gotten delivered from Luis in Chimbote not even a week before. <laughs> Thousands so. of vertical feet of climbing away. Not, <laughs> yeah. not even, like, not even, no. I'll, I'll go back. It's like, no. No, not absolutely not. Uh, so, yeah, a couple, of, a couple of heavy losses, but with some great memories, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. regardless. Yeah, and then fast forward uh, about a week and a half later to Lima, um, I went ahead and lost my wallet. With oh, my yeah. ID and credit card in it. And that was, Ouch. I mean, hopefully, I'm going to knock on some wood here. Hopefully that was, I mean, that was like full on assault. Like we got, we got hit hard. Four, four lost items within one week. Yeah. And it's like, we have like so few items. We know when something's yeah. missing. Yeah, exactly. And you know where everything belongs and you check and it's not there. And there are only like a few places where it might be. Yeah. And... The red flag goes up pretty quickly, and yeah. you realize, oh shit, that's gone forever. <laughs> oh man! But luckily, we got another GPS, and we'll get that working because I know everyone is following our map on our website yeah, you so guys, closely. We're sorry, you know, everyone's so worried. We're sorry we dropped off the grid for so long. We promise you, we'll be back up, spoken oh, to, we'll be fully functioning soon, and uh, you guys can just keep on with your absolutely obsessive fanhood of our journey. But from Lima. We traveled to the Peruvian, the ancient Peruvian capital of Cusco, and that's where we are now. We are where we are, folks, as always, due to the kindness of strangers. La Amistad de los Extranjeros. So, first and foremost, a big shout out to Gonzalo and su familia in Piura. Um, we crossed the border and we were planning on camping at this pretty dope little spot. The owner of this spot, uh, as Ty and I were eating dinner, came over and said, hey, you guys want to um, drive a couple hours to my beach spot and spend a night on the coast? So Ty and I hopped in the car with a stranger, spent the night on the coast. Um, so thanks a lot. It's Gonzalo. It was much appreciated. Um, it, was, it, was, it was, yeah, a funny, weird night. It was. It was strange. And then the following day, we got on a bus and got to Chimbote, which was probably the epicenter of kindness for us yeah. in the last uh like month yeah. or so from ecuador yeah um it was like every meal was like thanksgiving dinner uh quite yeah so 
Luis, thank you so much for coordinating and coming down when you did. That was, it was so awesome getting to know you better, getting to know your family, getting to know where you're from, getting to know where the heck my sister fell in love with you. Um, it was, it was very cool. And Mama Lucy, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Lucy, for all of the wonderful food, making us feel like home, hugging us like only a mom can hug. That was, that was very special. Um, Tignata and El Gato, um, Oscar, I'm still waiting on that Spotify playlist, by the way, to Ana, to Jorge, to Walter, to George, to Victor, to Julio, to La Capitana, and to Julio Senor, Senor, Senor or Senor? Julio Mayor. Mayor, Mayor. Um, you guys all seriously made our time in Chimbote so unbelievably special. So thank you so, so, so much. I'm excited for when I'm able to come back with Marky and hopefully the rest of my family. And even without having the, the familial connection that Tom did, I was still feeling the familial love. And for that, I am equally grateful and, uh, looking forward to seeing you guys again. Yeah. And to mom and dad, Marky and Critty for sending stuff down, bike parts, Marky bars. We would not have gotten through the Cordillera Blanca without the Marky bars. Let the record show. Um, much appreciated, Critty, for again coming through with bike parts. Uh, they have been doing us doing us swell. Likewise to my own mother, uh, thank you so much for sending down the warm layers that I may or may not have been keeping track of. <laughs> um, they're still appreciated, and at one point they will probably save my life. And to the tiny familia um, in the Huascaran circuit of the Cordillera Blanca, thank you for letting us crash in the teeniest of times. I think that's probably the tiniest room that we've stayed in oh, yeah. with the bikes. Um, that was cozy. But yeah, I mean, that was just kind of one of those things where the universe was conspiring, a door opened, there was a bed, two beds, mm -hmm. and uh, much appreciated. And then after we got done with the circuit, we met up with this really cool <laughs> Italian guy named Samil, who had been traveling around Latin America for a couple months, and we had a great night of talking about the world over a very full bottle of Pisco Sour that <laughs> mysteriously, by the end of the night, was not so full. And left us feeling pretty shitty the next day. But it was a good time. So thank you, Samuel. And a big thank you to the park ranger uh, in the Waskaran National Park for making sure that we had uh, sufficient passes um, to enter the park. We paid about the equivalent of $100 for yeah. a four or five day pass. Which and would get you a year pass <laughs> to every single national park back home. As we're leaving, that was on the first day, as we're leaving the park on the last day, Another park guard waves us over, asks to check our passes, and asks how long we've been in the park. We said we've been in for five days. He looks at my pass, and upon first glance, he goes, oh, no, wow, yeah, you got, you're good to go. This, this pass is good for a month. You were only here for five days? Yeah. <laughs> so at that moment, we really realized we had gotten got pretty, we, pretty good. We got got, but if we had to get got, it was, I guess, better to get got by an organization like the Peruvian National Park yeah. Agency. Yeah. That's all right. We'll give you we'll give you those funds. Yeah. We like what we, what you do. Yeah. Uh shout out to my uncle Tom for connecting us, us with two of his good friends Beth and David in Lima. Um we had an absolute blast hanging out with you two. They brought us out to a delicious dinner uh, and then we spent the next day two delicious dinners. Yeah, two two dinners and one Tour de Lima um, on bikes and let the record show. I'm I'm putting this out there. I'm saying within five years, 
you will start to see Lima on the list of the world's most bikeable cities. It, the bike infrastructure there was far and out the best protected bike lanes, bike, you know, bike traf- traffic lights, everything that we had seen yeah. in the entire trip. So let the record show. I'm putting that out there, folks. Also in Lima, uh, a connection from my home network in Arizona, um, Allison, who has a son that attended my alma mater, Brophy College Prep, who engaged in a student exchange program with the Franco Familia uh, of Lima, Peru, uh, reached out to my mom, gave her the contact info of the Francos to hit him up, and we did so, and they took us out to another delicious meal, um, we talked about uh, talked about Peru, talked about Arizona, and it was just great to make all those connections that make you feel like the world isn't such a big place after all. So thank you guys very much, both Allison and Lucy and Mauricio Sr. and Mauricio Jr. Uh, sorry, uh, it was Mauricio was the youngest. Um, it was Mario and Mario Sr. Thank you guys. And a huge shout out to Tommy Tyson um, for welcoming us with open arms in Cusco. Um, Tommy's been living here on and off for the last few years and uh, fellow DU pioneer. And man, we have just been having so much fun. Um, and uh, along uh, with Chad, another DU pioneer who's uh, living in Cusco for for a few months. Uh, but man, it's just been so much fun laughing about stupid college stuff. Yeah. Getting beers, talking about life, everything. Um, so huge shout out to Tommy and Chad. Thank you guys for just being two amazing familiar faces and giving us a boost of love and just a good, good push. We appreciate it. And then another huge thank you to, I think, the only people in Spoke Nation that are certified binge listeners, and they've gone for binge round 2.0, and that is Jeremy and the rest of the Howard family. Um, And... He let us know by sending us another great message, and it's always, always encouraging um, getting something like that from somebody back home, uh, just telling you to keep it up, and it means a lot to us. So thank you, Jeremy. And as always, uh, many thanks to the Spoke Nations that we have received, Um, from my mother, from my nana, uh, from my sister when we arrived in Chimbote. That was awesome. She paid for our bus ticket to Chimbote. That was killer. And then also from good, good friends, Cam Patterson, Jake Ward, uh, you guys gave us money for alcohol, and <laughs> that's just the best thing that we could have gotten. And we, we, drank, we used it, and we were drunk, so yeah. thank you. We, so, I think we did what you hoped. We did you proud, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, I also realized that Pisco, Pisco messes me up good. I'm, I'm going to probably not drink that anymore. <laughs> It's a very interesting liqueur <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it's given us some trying times, let's yeah. put it that way. Oh, um, shit. And then just on a final note, if if you're listening to this episode uh, with a, a map of Peru out in front of you and wondering how we traveled all this way in that amount of time, um, it is because we took a lot of buses. One of them being almost 24 hours long. Oh, God, yeah. And if you're thinking, well, hey, now, wait a minute. These guys are supposed to be on a bike trip. Freaking sellouts? Yeah. Well, screw you. (laughs) Yeah. Have you biked 10,000 miles in the last nine months? No, you have not. Have you been living with one other smelly man in a tent for the last nine months? No, you have not. We have. We We know what that feels like. 
And uh, all jokes aside, we have totally given up the defensive feelings about taking a bus on this bike trip. Yeah. And that is because it is enabling us to do exactly what we want to do, which is get us and our bikes to freaking Patagonia and spend time there before it's all encompassed in one time. And just to, to get to the coolest places. Like, exactly. If we want to go somewhere cool and it looks like it's going to take us a month to get there and be way out of the way... We're just going to hop on a bus and go there and ride the shit out of it on our bikes because that's what be we do. there where we want to be. Yeah. So it's, yeah. our message for you on that note is don't give two clams about what anybody else thinks of you or what you're doing or your plans or your goals. And don't waste your time comparing your shit to somebody else's. Hell yeah. True. True that. Yeah. Oh, um, Yes. That is it. That's the truth. And that is the notion that we're going to carry on into the next couple weeks. And according to the very loose plan that we have just worked on, we are going to be in Bolivia very soon. And then after that, we will be in Argentina. And that is the same country, more or less, as the finish line, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, granted, Argentina is... From northern Argentina to Patagonia is... It's the same country. That's all Probably 3,000 miles. But no, who's counting? But we're both. We're actually both kind of counting at this point. Excitedly counting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got some pedaling to do, folks. Um, and it's looking like we're going to be riding pretty high. The Altiplano of Bolivia, I think for the next month, we're probably going to be at or above 12,000 feet. So uh, if you start hearing or seeing some weird stuff from us... That's probably why. Or if you want to send us some money to buy bottled oxygen, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we use that. We for sure use that. All right, folks. Adios. And before we lead you into our beautifully harmonized, 100% original spoken tour theme song, we want to remind you that that same voice and those same fingers that are plucking the guitar strings like a genius is the same man and the same fingers who have typed up every single piece of code to build our website and make everything function so that people can follow us and get in touch with us and make the trip what it is. That genius is Mike Schutte, and we were calling him nonstop in the wee hours of a Saturday morning trying to track down this GPS unit. And that's certainly not the only time that our trip has been a a burden on his home life. And we cannot thank the guy enough. He is a dear, dear friend, a wonderful human being, and we love him. Love you, Shuggy. Thanks, Judy. Enjoy the song. One, two, three, four. Pedaling on to the end of the world Making friends around every curve Telling stories, peddling on
about 25 minutes ago, Ty went to grab a pot of water, and the moment he put the pot into the river, (laughs) the river just swept the pot away. (laughs) And so then the two of us uh, ran after the pot down along the banks of the river. It's like we were trying trying to chase a silver trout through the water, and it's gone forever. And now, Ty is sitting on the riverbanks, filtering water from that same river that took from him. So I'm, 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 I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he has any thoughts on this. Let's, let's walk over there. How's it feel to be taking from the river with the filter the same way the river took from you with the pot? Uh, feels justified. Every pump is like, yeah, yeah. take that river, yeah. We're consuming, we're, we're pretty much eating it. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking we're going to be riding along a lot tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll pop up. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Maybe that is optimism. Maybe it's snagged on some tree branch yes. just waiting for us. Yes. At the, at the at the precipice of a waterfall? Yes. Oh, man. And all we have to do is walk over and pluck it? Pluck. Have you seen any trout? I have not, no. Have you seen any other pots? No.